So it's a regular day in class at a regular public school. Everyone is going to their chairs, putting their stuff down, looking up at the board to see what they need, which is when they remember. Hey everyone, I hope you remembered from yesterday. Today, the counselor is visiting our class to talk about mental health. Okay, so how do you feel? For me, it's like, ugh. And the thing is, I care about mental health. I take time to educate myself on what self-care can look like, what healthy coping mechanisms are. I share resources with my friends. I wanted a degree in psychology for a really long time. But every time there's a school presentation, it feels like there's this disconnect where even if I know that the things the counselor is saying are true and important, I still feel like it's a waste of time. Why is that? This month on Student Speak Out, two episodes on mental health in honor of May's Mental Health Awareness Month. What's up, listeners? Welcome to Students Speak Out with Simone St. Pierre Nelson. I'm your host, Simone. If this is your first time, here's the deal. Each month, I sit down with students and student organizers across the country to talk about the issues that matter to them. This podcast is a production of Student Voice, an organization entirely led and run by students. We're devoted to giving young people the tools they need as activists, journalists, and artists to make a larger impact on education in their community. Okay, last time we looked into the digital divide with the help of Jonathan Fratz and Lee Rose Walden. This time we're recognizing May as Mental Health Awareness Month with two episodes, one today on the 1st and one on the 15th, discussing mental health in school. So let's get into it, shall we? Here's the problem. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services estimated that one in every five school-aged children experience a mental health problem at some point. They also found that a majority of those students don't see the treatment that they need. We can see that in the suicide rates that have been trending higher in recent years and have only increased during the pandemic. Access to resources like a school psychologist, which already varied wildly from school to school and district to district, became even harder to access, not just by virtue of technology, like we talked about last time, but also just because it's harder to approach confidentiality from home. And Gen Z, my generation, is aware of all of that. I can't go on TikTok for 10 minutes without seeing some mental health tip pop up on my For You page. Five ways to take care of yourself after a panic attack. Here's some breathing exercises to cope with your anxiety. Tips for executive functioning when depression makes it hard to get out of bed. More people than ever in my generation are willing to talk about their struggles with mental health. But even still, when I reflect on the primary emotion I've felt learning about mental health in school, probably awkwardness or boredom or annoyance. Something about it didn't feel relevant, so I was inclined to tune it out. I talked to three other teens about mental health in their schools, what they're doing to fill the gaps, and where they think this disconnect might come from. 
This is Amina Salahu. She's a high school senior in Syracuse, New York, and she's part of Student Voice's ambassador program. Her main work is around the decolonization of curriculum. And um, to me, decolonizing curriculum means allowing for curriculum to be more inclusive, to be more representative representative of the mostly diverse student body of schools. Um, and, my, and specifically, my goal was to help um, every school, in, every high school in my district have an African-American history course. To her, this project is directly tied to the mental health of Black students. When it comes to like Black History Month, probably like the one time schools really shine light on African-American history or um, yeah, yeah, African-American history, it's usually based on trauma-induced things. So for example, whether it's talking about slavery or talking about the many tragic events of the civil rights movement. And you know, when it comes to like students learning about like their past, their like culture, their history, if it's constantly associated with those like negative characteristics, like of course 100% that is important to learn about. Um, it's, it's valid, like it's important. Students should be learning about that. But on the contrary, students should also be learning about like the positive aspects of like being black, the positive aspects of their culture, of like um, all of all of those things that kind of led to like the America we have today. When curriculums and things that we're learning are very like Eurocentric, not super diverse, it causes students of color to not really be able to like see themselves in that kind of like positive light, or just um, yeah. So seeing them in that positive light, and then of course that leading to them having um, negative thoughts and a lot of like. Self-inflicted racism. If more schools instituted ethnic studies programs and incorporated nuanced discussions of history into their curriculum, Amina argues that the mental health of students of color would benefit. Someone else working to fill the gap between mental health education and students' needs is Sofia Novoa. She's also an ambassador. Her project revolves around bringing anti-bullying and mental health education to elementary schoolers. So I create booklets and workshops, interactive booklets for students in third through fifth grade. Teachers will all, teachers, admin and counselors are all going to have access to these booklets. And I'm also planning on making a PDF version for the students who are online due to COVID. Sophia advocates that if you start early and reiterate often, students will be more likely to internalize anti-bullying information because this is something that needs to be embedded into the curriculum, into something long-standing that the students gain a positive effect from and that actually helps them and they learn and they're educated on anti-bullying and mental health. But when it comes to what's actually at her school, Sophia told me that when guidance counselors give talks on mental health topics... I notice that a lot of students fall asleep and teachers don't really say anything. Yeah, that sounds familiar to me. And to our last student expert... It was treated as a joke. People would fall asleep. It, yeah. That's Ricky Bridges III. He's a sophomore at Franklin High School. He does a lot of great work with Maryland's Youth Advisory Council, and he's also the co-founder of his school's mental health club. I had a friend reach out to me who um, wanted to have a club, and she she knows that it's a passion of mine, and she knew that I would take interest in it so she reached out to me to see if I would want to um lead the club I didn't want to lead it I wanted to do it with her since this was an equal passion of hers so we decided that we would um split responsibility with it 
We'll hear more about the Mental Health Club in our next episode, where I'm going to be publishing my full interview with Ricky. For now, though, I asked Ricky something that had been nagging at me, why he thought his club was successful when the talks given by the school's guidance counselors usually weren't. I mean, the topics were the same, but there was that lacking of personal stories and that interpersonal connection that you need in order for something like that to be taken seriously and not laughed at. It didn't feel like it was a person-to-person connection. It just felt like you were being educated. And not a lot of people liked that, so they just didn't really care. And it kind of fell flat. Although Sophia and Ricky both agreed that the mental health education their schools provided wasn't effective, Amina Salahu had a different experience. At the start of the school year, so in October, um, every teacher was supposed to do social emotional learning time for the first 15 minutes of class and they can do anything they want just kind of dedicate that time to social emotional learning and so first period i have ap government and my teacher he's also the um psychology teacher at my school which is super cool he's really awesome and i'm really grateful and lucky that he actually does do social emotional learning since the first day all the way to now and it actually really helps us it helps like me i think it's really awesome like for me like that's probably like the best part of the day every day just kind of like not having to dive right into school the first, um, like, 15 minutes of class. Wow. So that that's already a huge difference. And here's why it works. Our teacher really adapts the social-emotional learning to the students, so he caters it to us. Um, like you're saying, like, he can sometimes make giggles and laughs and stuff talking about those things. But I think what is really helping it is that it's not based on a curriculum. So it's really, like, up to us. We can give feedback, like... He can change it up. And like sometimes it would be really bad and we just like laugh and it's just like still kind of funny and everything. And then other topics that we've just um, videos we would watch. I know some of them had to do with mental health, different um, topics pertaining to mental health. Sometimes students are like, well, I don't think this is like true or pertains to me, but I can definitely see how from the beginning of when we used to watch those videos, how now a lot of us are just a lot more open to them. Like I know for this week, the past, the videos we were watching were about toxic positivity. So it's been really cool to like, and after we have like a little discussion, like what did we think about it? So it's just kind of cool to see how students are really like, I don't know, it's really cool that we're able to learn about these real mental health issues, not just like, you know, if you're sad, like, go outside, get some sunlight. It's like the real things, like, toxic positivity is something that I was able to learn about through, like, Instagram, like, infographics, so it's cool that I'm also being able to, like, learn that within school with, like, my peers, so. The social-emotional learning at Amina's school, specifically the social-emotional learning provided by her teacher, was tailored to what her classmates wanted to see. That's the way to effectively teach students about mental health, not with one-size-fits-all curriculum. When you flatten a vast range of experiences with mental health down into oversimplified lists of problems or solutions, it can make it hard for students to see themselves in the curriculum that they're taught, which can, in turn, make it feel less important to pay attention. And without appropriate and nuanced mental health education, students might not recognize their own struggles as legitimate, or they might not reach out for help when they need it. But when you empower students as stakeholders in their own education, when you allow them to advocate for what they want to see in the classroom, you're telling them that their struggles, experiences, and questions about mental health are meaningful. What we need is an increase in the number of counselors and trained mental health professionals in our schools, 
We need flexible and adaptive curriculum that represents a diversity of experience. And we need for students to guide this change because we're the ones most directly impacted. And that was the show. I'll put links to my sources down in the description, along with a few powerful resources that didn't make it into the final script. Huge thanks to Amina Salahu, Sophia Novoa, and Ricky Bridges III for being my interviewees this episode. Subscribe to the feed and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts if you want to help out the show. To learn more about Student Voice, check out our website, stewvoice.org. And if you have any feedback or an idea for the next episode, you can send me a suggestion at simone at stewvoice.org. As always, special thanks to my mentor, editor, and friend, Yvonne Mahesh, and to the rest of the Student Voice team. Your support is invaluable. The show's theme is Slow Fall by Henry St. Pierre Nelson. And thank you for joining me today. It means a lot, and I'll see you next month.